0: Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. The recruiting roller coaster is in full effect right now. It's getting it's getting spicy. It's getting spicy. Some good, some bad, a lot to talk about. We also have a fan question revolving around recruiting roller coaster. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, we also want to tie up a couple of loose ends on USC UCLA coming in and a Michigan preview. So a lot to talk about today. Thanks for being here. Hope you enjoy the show. Sean Kane will join me in just a second, everybody. Welcome in a hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Listoky. With me, as always, Sean Kane. How are you today, Sean?
1: I am doing wonderful, Corey. How about you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. And, you know, I went up into the Big Ten country this past week into Michigan, and I came back unscathed. So that was good. No, it was it was a good trip. Um, but I'm glad to be home. Glad to be uh, speaking with you on this lovely Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, Corey. And as always when we record on Sunday morning, we are easy like Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a lot better than 4th of July at 11 o'clock midnight. So this is this is a lot better this week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> if there were new people here that listened to last week's episode and you came back for this episode, I want to say thank you because it probably wasn't our best effort. I think we had a good amount of enthusiasm but I can't say it was you know a plus material Again, we were recording that late 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 last week. Um, but I was really glad we got that uh, episode in because we ended that episode I feel like with quite a bit of enthusiasm as far as where the recruiting world was going. And then Sean, this is probably the wildest week in recruiting yet and I I couldn't what, what day was that was that was that Friday or Thursday? It was Thursday where things just went like in an hour things you know turned upside down and we'll get into it but it was just it was a nuts week. Yeah,
1: that's a good way to describe it. Um when you lose your quarterback commit and you lose out on a star running back that you thought was going to be coming to
0: Penn State um all within an hour.
1: Yeah, it really uh, turns things upside down.
0: Yeah, don't forget. Also, Cam Seldon committed to Tennessee too. In yes, Cam same Selden, hour. True. Yes. So that was yeah. Uh, so
1: it was a rough hour for Penn State fans.
0: It was, and I was even, I was even like, dang, kind of upset. And then, pretty clear that Mister Moore is going to be heading to Ohio State too. So that was kind of all in the same day. So yeah, not the best day. We'll talk a little bit more about all that um, in a second, but we do have two fan questions. And instead of waiting to the end, we're going to get to them this week. So thank you guys again uh, for the fan question submitting submissions. Uh, If you have questions, tweet them at hardcore PSU football or comment on Facebook. We'll take those as well. Um, The first question, we're going to go to Facebook. Uh, Malcolm Katzen said, with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, will Penn State have a true rival? Now, I don't know if Malcolm listened last week or not. Malcolm, if you're listening now, I recommend you go back and listen to the episode last week because we we spoke extensively um, about USC and UCLA joining. I mean, that's why we named the, the the episode title "Big Ten Gets Bigger." But I thought this was a good question to kind of bookend, kind of finish off the conversation last week uh, that we did have because there was a little bit more news, and it seems like, and there's been a lot of rumors, Sean, that. Really, nobody knows what they're talking about as far as Pac-12 and the ACC joining together. Maybe some ACC schools joining the SEC. A lot of rumors. Nothing uh, for sure. There's rumors that the Pac-12 teams are going to be joining the Big 12. So things have been all over the place. The only thing that is certain right now is it seems like Notre Dame is holding all of the cards. It seems like Notre Dame will be – if, if anyone's going to be the next team in the Big 10, Notre Dame's going to be the next team in the Big 10. So – Keep an eye there, but honestly, it seems like, Sean, it might be a couple, uh, maybe a year or two until something like that maybe happens.
1: Yeah, this is what's known as silly season, where just a bunch of stuff gets thrown at the wall, and I think there are people behind the scenes. Um, I I think a lot of these reporters, this is really what they're hearing, but you wonder about how reliable the sources are, and and there's just a lot of talk with a lot of people who might not know a whole lot. So it's just a lot of stuff being thrown at the wall right now. I think we both expect that things will kind of quiet down for a little while, um, as long as Notre Dame is still out and they hold all the cards right now. And it looks like the the Big Ten is going to hold off
0: until Notre Dame makes their decision. Uh,
1: Again, that's subject to change, too.
0: Right. And, and we talked about, you know, and you asked a good question that I just don't know if anyone's answered as far as why is the Big Ten waiting for Notre Dame when they could go get Stanford right now? They could go get Washington and Oregon right now if they wanted to. Um, and then if right. Notre Dame wants to join later, why not? So I think that's a good question. I still haven't really found an answer to that yet. Um, but to answer Malcolm's question, I posed this pretty much as soon as it happened, because, Malcolm, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Um, some people on Facebook came back after me and said, we're unrivaled, blah, blah, blah blah. Look, college football is better if you have a rivalry. There's just another way to say it. Michigan, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina, whatever the case may be, it is better when you have somebody that you really don't like. I mean, that's just the, way, that's just the nature of the beast. So Penn State for a while there. I, I would say Michigan State right now, Sean, is probably the closest thing that we have to a rivalry. Um I thought maybe Nebraska could be there, especially you know, in the early 2010s. Maybe that was a potential, um, but that that seemed had gone away, especially especially since Penn State started playing Iowa in the crossover games every year instead of Nebraska. So I would probably go Michigan State because there is the awful Land Grant Trophy between us, and then I'd probably say Iowa. But I'd say neither of them, especially since Iowa has so many awesome rivalries. Uh, with Minnesota, with Wisconsin. I, I just don't see that really. And obviously, Iowa State. Um, I don't really see, you know, Penn State and Iowa fans don't like each other right now, but I don't think that's a long term thing. Um, when Paterno was still the coach, there are still some crazy games between Penn State and Iowa, but I always thought, at least back then, there was some mutual respect. I don't really have that respect for them now, obviously, after last year. Michigan State is never going to, you know, think of Penn State as a rival more than Michigan. Uh, especially in the last couple of years. I mean, Michigan State's done well against Michigan in in the past couple of seasons. Mel Tucker's two and zero, I believe, against Michigan too. So yes. um I, I don't think Penn State's ever gonna beat out Michigan there. And so then, you know, now you're looking and, and obviously Michigan State, if Notre Dame came in, would have a big rivalry, you know, there too. So I, I don't think either of those teams are gonna be it. And I don't think Nebraska was going to be it. So, Malcolm, yes, I think, and it would be dumb if they didn't do this, if they didn't push some sort of rivalry between USC and Penn State. You go back, last two times Penn State's lost in the Rose Bowl, to USC. Now you have the opportunity to have Lincoln Riley and James Franklin playing against each other, two of the one, you know, younger-ish coaches, more spirited coaches, some of the best recruiters, um, I think it would do wonders potentially for USC's recruiting on the you know on the East Coast. I think it would do wonders for James Franklin and Penn State's recruiting on the West Coast. I think it would be a fantastic uh, opportunity to build some sort of rivalry. And you're talking national. I mean, look, the game is important to people in the Midwest. People do care about it, and I I would say a lot of people based off of uh, Fox's ratings really watched the game last year too. But that was also because it had national implications. Um, I think people would tune in to watch Penn state USC every year because it literally, you know, has the entire country involved. Also that Rose Bowl game in 2016, I think looms large and how much fun that was. So, so yes, I, I don't see why they couldn't play UCLA more often too. Um, but Sean, I, I think it's, I don't want to say it's a natural fit, but I think it's, a, a better fit than anyone else. Obviously USC is going to have some things with Notre Dame if that ever happens, but Sean, I I'm all in on a USC Penn state rivalry.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think Penn state will ever replace UCLA as USC's true rival uh, just because they have that LA thing. But do I think Penn state could develop a rivalry with USC akin to Penn state's quote unquote rivalry with uh, Ohio State or Michigan State, yeah, uh, for the reasons you stated. There's the cross-country there's cross country rivalry uh, potential. There's USC will be the new kid on the block along with UCLA. And Penn State has really, even though they joined almost 30 years ago, I don't think they've ever been seen as a true Big Ten team in a lot of ways. Because a lot of these rivalries had been cultivated for a hundred years, whether it's Ohio State of Michigan or Michigan, Michigan State, um, Wisconsin and Minnesota, all of these have been cultivated for a long time. So while I don't think Penn State will ever replace UCLA as USC's true rival, I do think that a rivalry possibility is definitely there, especially if you keep having, if you have multiple great games against USC. But these are the things that develop, that have to to develop organically. We can't just wake up and say USC's our rival. Or USC can't wake up and say Penn State's their rival. It's a lot like when Maryland and Rutgers joined the Big Ten, and they both wanted to be Penn State's rival. But Penn State was like, um... No, nah, no, thanks. So you can't just say they're our rival without the great games, without that mutual feeling there.
0: Yeah. And and to that extent, I would argue there's got to be some excruciatingly painful losses, I think, too, that kind of really gets that going. And it's not something that can just happen for a couple of seasons. It needs to be something that's fairly consistent for years, Um to develop, And so if you had what happened between Iowa and Penn state last year, if you had something like that every other year and there was and on both sides, like Penn state upset to Iowa and Iowa is better or, you know, vice versa. I think that's when things like that really start to take effect. But you, I agree. It doesn't, you know, it takes more than a couple of seasons playing each other. You know, it, it takes more than even probably a decade of playing each other. Um, it's the playing them every year and 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 kind of looking forward to the hating that, that that is needed. And I don't think that's even happened. I think Michigan State's gotten closer. Um, I think honestly, maybe he's taken a step back with Mel Tucker. I thought for a little bit there, Michigan State was kind of ruining Penn State's seasons. You know, maybe it was because they lost the week before every time. But regardless, it was still happening. I thought maybe there's a chance there too. But I just it just and and obviously too on twenty, was it twenty 15, when you know they ran up the score and had the, the big man touchdown, I'm like, okay, here we yeah. go. But that also, you need something like that consistently. And maybe that will happen for Michigan State. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's enough on that. I mean, it is what it is. If it happens, it happens, like you said. You're right, it's not going to replace UCLA. But I do think maybe it's not going to be a true rivalry. I do think it will be an intriguing matchup that the Big Ten should take advantage of uh, because – yeah, you could get Maryland and you can get Rutgers that are a little bit more east than Penn State. But really, Penn State-USC is the best matchup that could come out of this. Now, USC and Ohio State have played great games too, but Ohio State's already got Michigan, and if the Big Ten was smart, they'd market it that way to begin with. Um, obviously, USC coming in to Beaver Stadium for a wideout would be pretty cool. So, Especially, I mean, if if you want to get really creative with it, that would be the very first game in 2024 usc at penn state whiteout environment that there's no better way to welcome usc into the big 10 than a whiteout environment at penn state in my opinion so that would be that'd be really cool to see and that is how you kind of start things like that especially if it was a really awesome game um that's how things like that can kind of get going so especially especially if usc has a good year this year and a good year next year and there's going into 2024 with all of lincoln riley's you know recruits and, and obviously a five-star quarterback and they're looking to be a top five team, you know, a playoff contending team and they go into happy Valley to start the year with all those, you know, potential expectations. I mean, that's, and who knows where Penn state will be at that point. So that, that could be exciting if they wanted to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I'd be all there for that. Um, I I agree with you. I think that would be the perfect way to welcome USC and, or, or have, have them host Penn state at the Coliseum either one of them um yeah I'd be I'd be definitely all there for that and as far as the Michigan State thing goes I do I do agree with you um it appeared from the outside looking in that there was no love lost between James Franklin and Mark D'Antonio so while I do think Mel, Mel Tucker is doing a good job at Michigan State I'm not sure that hatred that at least the coaching staffs had for each other is there right now but there has been a lot of great games over the years between Michigan State and Penn State. But for real, if, if the lovely land-grant trophy didn't exist, would we even really consider Michigan State a rival? Or because I'm, we all know that they're never going to replace, Penn State's never going to replace Michigan as their primary rival. I'm not sure if it wasn't for the land-grant trophy's existence if that rivalry would be there.
0: Right, and also the existence because how many years has Michigan State played Penn State at the end of the year, too? So they've tried to make it that way. And and to a right. certain degree, I think, you know, like I said, they, they are the closest things we probably have right now. So take that for what it is. Um, let's move on to recruiting, and that's where we get our second fan question. And this is kind of the beginning or the entrance into the what was a crazy – uh, I guess last couple of days, really, not even really the whole week, just the last couple of days. And I thought it was good because we had so much optimism going into July. Um, I was at two weeks ago now, I was saying, you know, put the over under at five and a half, starting with the last week of June and all of July for five and a half or more commits. And I put it at six and you said five. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But one thing we didn't necessarily predict, in fact, I think if you go back a couple episodes, At least I said I was confident that Marcus Stokes was locked in. I mean, he was recruiting other people. He, even at the Elite 11 a week ago, said he was 1,000% committed to Penn State. But that was before the home state team, uh, Florida, finally offered Marcus Stokes last week at a 7-on-7. And it seems like, and by the way, the reason why the Dominoes fell this way is Florida was after a recruit that Miami got. And that led Florida to go to the next best thing, which was Marcus Stokes. So they hadn't even offered him yet. Once the offer came out, Stokes, it seems like was just waiting for that offer. And um, and you know what? It is what it is. He went and got, you know, he gets to stay home, he gets to play for Florida. He's from Florida, so it is, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it did come out of left field, it was kind of a shocker. And the question from AMV, it looks like he's a diehard flyer fan. Um, Penn State lost Marcus Stokes to Florida this week. Do they try to replace him with another quarterback in the 2023 class, or do they use that ship scholarship someplace else, like linebacker? Um, Sean, I'm going to let you get the first crack at it.
1: Yeah, I think they should offer another quarterback, and I think they will. I think they're, I think they're going to try to bring in a quarterback this year uh, because think about – how important the backup quarterback becomes when the chips are down. Think about last year, Kinnick. Don't Only wish we had Will Levis. Didn't we? Only don't we wish we had a competent backup quarterback. Period. So knowing that, I do think we're going and looking at James Franklin and Mike Yurishich's Twitter activity. I think they're also interested in another quarterback, uh, somebody that Mike Yurishich and James Franklin both followed on Twitter. Is uh, Jackson Smolak, and he is currently a Tulane University commit. So you're probably wondering why are we going after Tulane's uh, quarterback? Co- uh, quarterback they have committed to them. Well, he got an invite to the Elite Eleven out in California, and he did, and he did really, really well. Uh, he ended up getting a, an offer to Cal Berkeley. Uh, supposedly Virginia Tech and LSU have inquired about him, and. As I said, James Franklin, Mike Gersuch, followed him on Twitter. He's from uh, Mr. Smolk's from out Iowa. So he's a guy that I think you could keep an eye on for a potential Penn State offer coming his way. Uh, J.J. Cole uh, recently committed to Iowa State. Not sure if Penn State gets into that battle. I don't know how solidly committed he is to Iowa State. But that's somebody else that you have to uh, keep an eye on. So answer your question I think Penn State does go after another quarterback and I think they will they will bring in somebody the problem is looking at all of their offers to quarterbacks present day all of them are committed to another school so they're gonna have to get creative they're gonna have to look for somebody a little under the radar or they're gonna have to try to flip a quarterback but I think it is important to bring in a quarterback every cycle
0: yeah, that, that, that last part's important. I think you have to bring in a quarterback every cycle, this day and age. Obviously, you have Bo Pabula still, you have Drew Aller still, um, and Christian Veiu, but it's hard to imagine all three of those guys will be even here from a year from now. I mean, just, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Smolik is probably the guy you're looking at. I think J.J. Cole is the next guy. Cole was pretty high on Penn State until Stokes committed. So you're kind of just, you know, you know, uh, in hindsight, wondering whether or not, you know, maybe they should have went after Cole more, given that Florida hadn't offered Stokes yet. But regardless, I think those are the first two that you try to get. Uh, and like you said, there isn't a lot of guys out there on the East Coast, notable blue chip guys that aren't already committed. So you're kind of, you know, it's kind of like a a, a Justin Fields kind of situation here where you're like, huh, like, all right, well, now what? And so, yeah, I think those are the other two guys. The only other guy I was going to mention was uh, Kenny Minchie, who's committed to Pittsburgh and committed in April. Penn State hasn't offered him, I believe, yet. And so, and he was also at the Elite 11. I don't think um, Penn State's going to get him, but that's just another guy. He's from Tennessee originally g- coming up to Pittsburgh to play as, at the moment. Um, just one more guy. If you're going to throw another name in the hat that maybe Penn State goes after, I'm not too worried about it. I think Mike gear is is good enough to find another guy. Obviously James Franklin is a guy that's always prepared. And I don't know if I've told the story before, but this dude has binders and binders of information about all this commits down to, you know that commits family members, what the family member's favorite food is. I mean, they have research on everybody and they have a prepared list. Obviously, you know, we've heard that he's a prepared list of coaches to bring in. I promise you they had a what if scenario on who they need to bring in. If Stokes, you know, decides whatever the case may be, it wasn't even necessarily if Stokes decides to go, maybe it was, they find out this spring that Bo Brullo was going to transfer, and they wanted to get two quarterbacks in this in this class. Um, I am sure they have a list already. I'm sure Yersitch is already on it. Whether or not something happens, who knows. But um, I'm not too worried about it. I will say this one more time. I think the Stokes one caught James Franklin and company by surprise. And I think it caught everybody by surprise because – Although he was a Florida guy, he was, Sean, I mean, how many times did we say he was one of the most, uh, he was one of the loudest guys as far as voicing his commitment to Penn State and how much he was excited to be a part of Penn State. He recruited a lot of the guys from the South, which, by the way, doesn't seem like any of those guys are going to waver. Parker seems all in. Uh, Hussey now with uh, his fellow teammate committing and King Mac, they both seem like they're locked in, so it seems like the Florida guys are going to be okay. Oh, and by the way, we'll talk about another guy from Florida in just a little bit. It seems like that's going to be all fine based off of who Stokes was able to recruit, but it's just like, where the heck did it come from? But hey, the guy's going to get to play closer to home, um, so that's fine. And what I wanted to talk about next, Sean, is, is something to do with the Stokes commit, and it was something I, I messaged you because I thought it was interesting. And that was what James Franklin retweeted, I think, was it yesterday? Um, by current commit, and Lamont Payne, cornerback Lamont Payne, said, um, he, Lamont Payne tweeted, You are with us or against us, no in-between. We are, hashtag we are 23. And James Franklin retweeted that. And first of all, I didn't even know, I didn't know or coaches were allowed to retweet things by recruits, honestly. But he retweeted that. And look, everything he does for the most part, I think is pretty calculated, especially when it comes to his social media. Do- doesn't it seem like a it caught him by surprise, but B, this is wh- what Lamont Payne said. You know, you're with us or you're against us, no matter what. First of all, they always do that as far as commitments go. Don't commit unless you're ready to commit. Um. But this one, maybe James Franklin was a little bit of salty here. Maybe he was a little frustrated with, uh, with this uh, flip by, uh, by Stokes.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see the salt there in that retweet. Uh, like you said, James Franklin doesn't do anything that isn't calculated, especially on Twitter or social media. So this was definitely something that I think he wanted to drive home to the rest of the class. You're either with us or, or you're not. And when you have a quarterback who I think was looked at as one of the leaders in the class uh decommit, yeah, that's a, that's a big shock. And I think this took James Franklin and Mike Yurcich and the rest of the recruiting class, frankly, by surprise. Um And it goes to show you, you, you can't always trust what, what these what these recruits are, are saying, because like you said, you know, and especially in today's day and age, when there's all this money being thrown around too, Marcus Stokes may have, an, you, you you don't know what they're getting offered with NIL, you don't know what you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and and just the appeal of staying home, and we always say uh, like a broken record. Recruiting in Florida, especially as a Pennsylvania team, is really, really hard. And you have to take these commitments almost with a grain of salt. So, but I do think James Franklin was taken by surprise. And it looks like a lot of the recruiting class was taken by surprise too. But the good news is, Corey, there was good news by the end of the There was um, something positive by the end of the week.
0: Well, yeah, you know, the recruiting giveth and it taketh. And after that Thursday, it was a little bit like, okay, you know, good things are coming, right? Like, you know, we can talk a little bit later, but, you know, the Rojas commits coming, the Robinson commits coming. So, like, we knew things were going to get back on track. But you were like, shoot. Like, we had a little bit of momentum. The Stokes one was like, okay. But then the Trayon Webb one committing, that one kind of stunk, too, because we both thought that he was a lean towards Penn State. And he ends up going to Florida, too. And you're like, okay, crap. Cam Seldon was a little bit more up in the air, so it wasn't a huge bummer. Um But also you kind of really wanted Seldon, and for a little bit there, we we thought maybe Seldon was you know leaning towards Penn State. Um but you know, whatever that whatever happens, whatever. But all those things happening in an hour was like crap. Um and so you kind of needed something to get you. How much is recruiting about momentum, right, and, and and finding a way to have momentum and feeling good about it? Uh, and then Jason Moore probably going to uh, choose Ohio State at that point. Um, yeah, it, it stunk. And so then I'm driving home on Friday, and all of a sudden, a huge news comes. And now, I don't want to emphasize the beginning part of this too much because although he was an Alabama commit I don't really like... It wasn't a flip the same way Florida flipped Stokes from Penn State to Florida. Now, Elliott Washington, the corner, four-star guy, technically a safety in the 24-7 ranking, is probably going to play corner at the next level. Um, he was committed to Alabama. And so Penn State did technically pull out the spatula and flip uh, flip him from Alabama to Penn State. But... He was already taking visits elsewhere. Um, so the flipping, he was going to go somewhere else. That wasn't where the surprise was. It wasn't like, oh my God, Penn State flipped. Like, take that Nick Saban. Like, that's, that's not really the story here at all. The story really is, is most people, including Michigan State, really thought they were going to get him. They, everyone really thought Michigan State was going to get him. Uh, there was, I believe, Crystal Balls in for, for Michigan State. Everyone pretty much thought that this guy was going to go to Michigan State. And twice now in two weeks, Penn State has gotten two defensive backs from Michigan State, which, you know, if you don't understand the significance of that and you're, you're listening, Mel Tucker's a secondaries coach. And so you're expecting Mel Tucker to come in and pluck, you know, some seriously good defensive backs. And now it's two now. And credit to Terry Smith, that's two now. And Poindexter, that's two now that have gone Penn State's way over Michigan State. And um, King Mack was 100% 50-50 up in the air. Penn State got him. Washington was, Elliot Washington II, was probably a Michigan State lean, and they were able to get him. So don't take away from this, oh, Penn State flipped an Alabama guy. Like, yes, he did. But the more important part of the story to me is they were able to get another guy that was probably a lean to Michigan State. Um, I think that's huge for a lot of different reasons, Sean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Elliot Washington is somebody we've talked a little bit about on the pod uh, when he visited last, ju- uh, last month. But neither one of us really thought he was going to come for the reason you stated. Everybody thought he was going to go to Michigan State. And yes, he was technically an Alabama commit, but he was as soft a verbal as soft verbals come, everybody sort of thought, well, he's committed to Alabama, but he's going to end up at Michigan State. But he was somebody to keep an eye on because, as, we, as we've also said on this podcast, the key thing with Penn State is getting these guys on campus to visit, especially for an official visit. So Penn State did that, and while it looked like he was going to go to Michigan State, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, he's going to Penn State. Um, I'm going to, I could break him down a little bit for you. He's from uh, Venice, Florida. Never knew there was a Venice, Florida right now, um, <laughs> until looking at Elliott Washington. Uh, he's listed as a safety, but he's going to be playing cornerback at Penn State. He had four interceptions last year as a junior, uh, not afraid to hit. Uh, I think he's somebody who could be, end up playing a lot of nickel at Penn State. He's got he's got pretty decent size. Well I'm to bulk up a little bit. He's 5'11, 195. And he's he's definitely a big uh, this is definitely a big get for Penn State going back into Florida where I know they lost Marcus Stokes, but they have had a lot of success down there recruiting. So I am um, I was pleasantly surprised when news came across that Elliot Washington committed to
0: Penn State. I want to share this comment that we got on Facebook. And he, this guy was actually responding to another guy who commented on Facebook. And I thought this was hilarious. I wanted to share it. This was before the Elliot Washington commit. Quote, You're high as hell. Florida's a better school, better conference, three natties the past 25 years. What has Penn State done in a shit conference? Talking about try on Webb. Webb's cousin was a star at Florida, and Stokes didn't get a UF offer until late last week, or he would have committed then. Why would a Florida kid want to go that far away? LMFAO, those days are gone now, clown. Enjoy recruiting up north. End quote. Which, by the way, is just... I mean, you can't make <laughs> up that stuff to say that. First of all, while Penn State has two commits from the state of Florida beforehand, um, even with Stokes decommitting, but also literally... I, I with less than 24 hours later, Penn state gets another commit from Florida. Um, I thought that that was just, you know, mwah. you can't, you can't ask for better karma there. Um, I thought that was funny. Obviously Florida wasn't really in the run for this guy. Like I said, it was down to Michigan state, but I guess the days aren't over. So I thought that was cool. Um, Penn state's done an exceptional job again in the South, even with cam Seldon, who was from Virginia, not coming to Penn state. Um, You still got a couple guys from Alabama. You still got the best player from Virginia and obviously now three guys from Florida Uh, with with some things still to happen. So even with Webb not committing, things are still looking really good for this class. Um, You're kind of a bummer on a couple things, right? You're you're a bummer on Cam Selden. uh, You're a bummer on Webb. And it's a bummer on Jason Moore. Now, Jason Moore, we always thought, was going to go to Notre Dame. It's even a bigger bummer that he's probably going to go to Ohio State. I don't don't know if that's 100% official or not yet. Um, but apparently he had a really good weekend up there. Larry Johnson Sr. still being a thorn in Penn State's side there. Um, so, you know, that stinks that he's going to end up at high State instead of Notre Dame. Uh, I will say this, though. If you go all the way back and look, Sean, like, yes, Chase Young and the Bowser brothers have been phenomenal. Um, but a guy like uh, – do you remember like, uh, like what, Zach Harrison and what he, we thought he was going to be for Penn State? Yes. He hasn't really done much at Ohio State. Now, I'm not trying to say, sit here and say that Ohio State doesn't turn out great defensive end talent. But I'm just saying not everyone that goes to Ohio State is going to be a, you know a first-round pick. And Penn State, in its own manner, with what JSJ has been able to do, it's not at the Ohio State level. But it's pretty close. I mean, it's getting there. I mean, if you look at what Parsons is being able to do now as far as rushing the passer, what owe has been able to do as far as rushing the passer. Um, yeah, I, I think it's getting there. And, and, and who knows what happens um, down the road. But I, I think Penn State's getting to that point, especially with the way they're recruiting, too. So um, And who knows what will happen this this year, too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for that. But I want to, Sean, get to – um, what we talked about two weeks ago, and that over under at five and a half for the last week of June and all of July. So that that's kind of what we put it at, five and a half commits. Uh, we got King Mac technically before July started, but we said anything after that podcast would count. Uh, so that was one. And then we got uh, Washington. So that's two now um, so far. We're not going to count the day commits. We texted about this. We said... Over under on commits, not over under on total commits, and not over under minus uh, decommits. So we're not going to count Stokes against it. I think that might end up being the difference, actually, in, in how well July ends up. But Sean, if you're looking ahead, you have Rojas committing in July, who's a very much a Penn State lean. You have Tamir Robinson committing in July, who's very much a Penn State lean. You have uh, I believe Evan Link, offensive tackle. I believe public knowledge now has him as a crystal ball in for Penn State. You have London Montgomery, who now is very important with Webb going to Florida. He's probably a Penn State lean. Um, That's four right there. So that would get you to six. Am I missing anyone that you're like, oh, yeah, and also this guy? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, London Montgomery commits tomorrow, and... Everybody seems to think that he's going to end up at Penn State. Uh, like you said, Evan Link, Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas. So yeah, I, I think that's everybody for July that we're expecting at this point. Now it could change. We could have other guys come in, and we've already decided we're not counting the commits. So it looks like you're in a you're in a pretty good position to win the over under battle between me <laughs> between me and you. So, and I'm happy, I'm happy to say that, that we're going to end up with more commits than I thought, um, at least for July. Yeah, uh, so look out for uh, next week's podcast, because I'm expecting we're we're going to be getting three commitments between today and by the time we record our next pod, because I expect Robinson, Rojas, and Montgomery to all
0: end up in this class. Right, yeah, they're all going to be committing in the next week. So um, Rojas, obviously the linebacker, second-best player, maybe third-best player. Um, I get Selden and him mixed up from Virginia, so that'll be a big time. Robinson, obviously, from Pennsylvania. Um, Still not 100% sure where he's going to end up playing defensively, but uh, he'll be a stud wherever he ends up. Um, And then Montgomery running back. Pretty important now at this point because, obviously, Webb not going. Um, the only other guy I think I want to talk about, uh, I saw Kevon Keys, who we thought was a pretty big North Carolina lean. Um, he set a date for August 27th, uh, so that would just be a couple days before Penn State's season opener against Purdue. I like this, Sean, because for a while we thought he was North Carolina all the way. He comes up and visit, visits at the end of June. Apparently, that made a huge impact, changed things quite a bit, at least got Penn State right back in the thick of things. I think if he would have committed right away after that, I think he probably would have gone to North Carolina. But the fact that then now there's a whole nother month until he commits, a uh, month and a half, really, that, that tells me maybe Penn State's got a pretty good chance that he's waiting until then. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Penn State's in it for him.
1: Uh, he has a really good relationship with Matt Brown and uh, Dre Blyde out at North Carolina. But, yeah, Penn State's definitely in it. Um, and we have Anthony Poindexter as his primary recruiter. So, I'm... maybe You know, if I were to say he was going to... If you were to tell me he was going to commit tomorrow, I'd probably say he'll, he would commit to North Carolina. There is a long time between now and late August. So if he announced that he was committing this week, I would say North Carolina is almost certainly the bet there, but being that he's waiting till the end of August, there's a lot of time for James Franklin to get in his ear. And this is going to be a guy that James Franklin's probably prime that the staff is going to be primarily focused on between uh, now and August. Yeah. I think Penn state is right in the thick of things with him and that there's a lot of time to uh to try to secure that commitment to Penn State.
0: Yep, and, and you. you, you oh, go
1: sorry. ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you do have to wonder why he picked the end of August. um I'm not. Sh- I'm. I'm honestly not sure. It could be like his birthday or something. So he may. It is, yeah, it
0: is his birthday. birthday. It is oh, his birthday. Okay.
1: So maybe he is silently committed to someone, and he's just waiting that long because it's his birthday but maybe
0: he's not too. Right. Yeah. It is his birthday. And I agree. If he had a pick right now, I think UNC, but a lot can happen obviously in just a week. So you, you put a month and a half in between then who knows what happens, but yeah, I'd say he's a UNC lean, but I think Penn State made up some ground. And honestly, the question about maybe picking up another linebacker with Stokes being gone, I mean, you're going to get Robinson. You're going to get Rojas. Uh, Nelson Dakari Nelson can play. It was probably going to play some sort of Sam role at the next level. Um, so you already have three guys and feel pretty good about now Robinson, maybe play some defensive end, but I mean that that's kind of depending on how much more he grows. Um, so you're not desperately trying to get keys. Um, it's not the end of the world if you don't get keys. Um, but that's kind of where they're at as far as depth goes. I don't really know Sean at this point. I mean, is there anywhere where you're like, okay, who the heck do they really need to go get? Because I, as far as position goes, I'm, if they get Link, they get back a, a, a lineman. Obviously, that they lost when Miller went to flip to Georgia. Um, you feel pretty good about the offensive line position. You're never going to say no to offense. Good offensive lineman. Uh, you, if you get Montgomery. You feel pretty good about the running back position. Obviously, another quarterback. We've talked about that extensively. Um, is there anywhere else where you're like, oh yeah, they need maybe a, def- a bigger defensive lineman? I, I mean, maybe that's where you kind of go. I don't know.
1: Yeah, like you said, you never have enough offensive linemen. You never have, and with how thin we've been at linebacker, I probably wouldn't mind taking in another linebacker, and we need a quarterback. So look for another quarterback commitment, and if they were to land Robinson, um, Rojas, Montgomery, and Link, plus a quarterback, that would bring them to 21 recruits. Uh, I'd have to take a closer look at, where we are right now in scholarships and to see how many other guys we could fit in this class assuming everybody else sticks but yeah I would like to bring in probably either another linebacker or edge rusher in in addition to um, what we have in addition to another quarterback but yeah we don't need another or and another thing to keep in mind we might bring in another receiver too so I would expect this class to probably end up with about 23-ish guys, give or take.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, they're going to have most, of, if not almost all of them uh, pretty much wrapped up before, uh, before the season starts. Which I continue to say, that's huge as far as getting them obviously on board in December for their early signing period but also you don't have to sc- kind of scramble at the end you're not waiting for a couple big time guys like obviously if you're in the run for a five star guy at the end of the day like that's fantastic um but you know it's not the end of the world uh i'm trying to think also is there isn't there there's another receiver i'm blanking on um is his name taylor um i i'm gonna have this yes
1: make... yes Car- i think carmelo taylor
0: yes He's a guy maybe you kind of pay attention to. Maybe that's another guy that kind of comes on board at some point. Um, yep. I don't know if you have any thoughts there, uh, but I, you know his name pops up quite a bit.
1: Yes, I'm happy we mentioned him, actually, because he commits on July 25th, and he's a guy that Penn State does have a good chance at, I believe. He's a speedster from, a speedster from Roanoke, Virginia, and it looks like he's going to be deciding between South Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Penn State. So keep an eye on Carmelo Taylor
0: as a possible commit. And just by the way, if, if they do get Taylor, um, then I just blow the over-under out of the water, even with the decommit of Stokes. So just keep that in mind.
1: Yep, then you, then you firmly have... Uh, then you firmly won the battle there, even with the Stokes decommit.
0: Right. And I would like to, like the record to be said that I did that before I even knew some of these commitment dates. Like, we didn't even have commitment dates... Uh, for Robinson yet, I don't think we had, we didn't definitely didn't have a commitment date for Montgomery. Um, as far as a couple, I don't think King Mac had a date a hundred percent yet. So um, yeah, I want to take full credit for thinking that I know more than you about recruiting when I definitely don't.
1: <laughs> yes, kudos to you, Corey. But very, very, and and by the way, you did. And nobody expected Elliot Washington. So big J journalism by Corey Listoky,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I had the insider on that one for sure. No, that one definitely, obviously, might end up saving me. So, uh, yeah, that would be that would be huge. Um, all right, Sean. I think we talked extensively. I mean, forty five minutes and all we've talked about pretty much is recruiting. Um, again, guys, twenty four seven Sports is um, where we provide you guys with free information. There's a lot more stuff behind a paywall that we could mention, um, and we recommend it. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'd like to just reiterate that from time to time so people don't think we're just taking 24-7 sports insider information and throwing it out to everybody. Um, Moving on, Michigan preview. Um, By the way, the Know Your Enemies, the Northwestern, I got behind a little bit, but that's okay. The Northwestern one's going to come out tomorrow. The Michigan one probably will come out Wednesday. So I'm going to try to catch up this week, Uh, not mustard, catch up and uh, see if we can kind of get back on track there a little bit. Obviously, Michigan, the sixth game of the year for Penn State. It will be right before the bye week. Uh, Michigan will be the game right after Northwestern. If you're curious, Michigan has at Indiana before they play us, and then after hosting us, they play Michigan State at home. So kind of back-to-back two big home games for Michigan. Um They obviously won last year 21-17 at Penn State. Probably the biggest part of that game to remember is Blake Corum, the running back who's back this year, did not play in that game. Um, Before I turn it over to you, Sean, the only couple of things I want to note, new offensive coordinator and new defensive coordinator. So uh, our boy Josh Gattis gone to Miami, and obviously no surprise Miami's recruiting exceptionally well um, down there and probably a lot to do with, Gaddis, because Gaddis is an amazing recruiter. Matt Weiss will be the co-offensive coordinator. Sharon Moore will be also the other co-offensive coordinator. Matt Weiss was just the quarterback's coach last year, and, and Moore has been the offensive line head ends coach there for a little bit. Defensive coordinator-wise, uh, Jesse Mint, Minter, will be taking over. Um, he was at Vandy last year for one year, so he'll be the new defensive coordinator there. Still kind of expect a similar scheme, Um, I do want to say there's a lot of Ravens background with all these guys. So the Harbaugh brothers are kind of, you know, switching out people because Michigan's old defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, went to Baltimore. So they're all kind of just going back and forth between Baltimore and Michigan. Uh, This will be their third defensive coordinator in three years for what that's worth. The final thing I'll say, Sean, uh, 24-7 sports composite rankings in the last four years gives them an average of 11.8. Um, And Penn State, I believe, is right around 13, so they're a little bit better um, as far as composite rankings go. Uh, Sean, your first thoughts on Michigan this year?
1: Yeah, they look like a possibly even more explosive offense this year. Like you said, they get Blake Corum back, who I I don't believe played against Penn State last year. I believe he was injured. He did not. Yes. Yeah. Um, Donovan Edwards, uh, who is a very highly recruited running back. Uh, he's also going to be taking, uh, some, some snaps at running back. Uh, he was a guy Penn state also recruited. Um, Ronnie Bell returns from, from a torn ACL last year. Um, he, he's been a really, really good receiver for them for a long time. And, uh, Cornelius, uh, Cornelius Johnson also returns for them at receiver. So I'm expecting a more explosive offense. It's important to note that there's still a quarterback controversy at Michigan. And I'm sort of surprised they made the playoffs last year because it never really felt like, well, not never. I think around the last part of the season, they really committed to Cade McNamara over J.J. McCarthy. I think that was the right move. Because if you think back to the Michigan State game, they really should have beaten Michigan State, but they kept switching quarterbacks in, and then Jake and then um, JJ McCarthy uh, fumbled the ball, and that sort of changed the whole uh, trajectory to that game. So I'm expecting a more uh, explosive offense. They return a few um, offensive linemen, for, uh, a, few, a few offensive linemen from their uh, great offensive line that they had last year. So. I'm expecting a more explosive offense Uh, on defense. You don't replace a guy like Aiden Hutchinson um, or David Ojabo. Frankly, Uh, David Ojabo would have been a first round pick if he hadn't, uh, unfortunately, torn his Achilles at his pro day. Um, But I'm still expecting a stout defense. Uh, It looks like they're going to be trying to incorporate a lot of what they did last year. So the scheme shouldn't be too different, even though they are getting a new defensive coordinator. And I think similarly on offense, because while Josh Gaddis was the offensive coordinator last year, let's be real, that was a classic Jim Harbaugh offense that they ran. There's a lot of ground and pound, um, and they really grounded and pounded teams into submission all through the Big Ten last year, and that's why they won the conference. So I'm expecting possibly a more explosive offense from Michigan this year. But they may take a little, a small step back on defense, being that they have lost a lot of NFL talent. Oh, including Daxton Hill in the say uh, in the secondary, who I believe was also taken at the end of the first round last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, you said a lot of good things there, Sean. Um, I think as far as the quarterback situation goes, they're going to end up starting Cade McNamara. Uh, McCarthy had a shoulder injury, so he didn't even throw very much this spring. Um, so I think that kind of hurts him as far as the competition goes, but I will say this. I think McNamara was the right option for last year because their defense was so good and they were able to, to rely on them and the running game. I don't think they're going to be able to do that as much this year. Um, I think if it was up to me, I think I'd start McCarthy this year because I think he gives you a little bit more explosiveness in the passing game, a little bit better of a runner too. um. I think you have to rely on the offense a little bit more if you're Michigan this year. And because you have to rely on the offense a little bit more, I, I think McCarthy's the better guy. Now, if you could just run the ball and rely on the defense again, I think McNamara's the better guy uh, because I think he's a little bit maybe smarter with the football, a little bit more of that game manager role that people like to say. Um, I, I I think McCarthy is technically the better option for them. Uh, mentioning Ronnie Bell, I think Ronnie Bell being back is huge for them. Um, they do lose Haskins, like you said, but I think Blake Corham will be fine. I did want to mention uh, Alusigan Olu-Natimi. Probably butchered that. Uh, Remington finalist for Virginia last year transferred in at the center spot. So that's pretty big for them. um, And getting a a really good center. They still have a right tackle back as well uh, and a guard back. Um, You mentioned Cornelius Johnson. They also have a decent tight end. Pretty good tight end in Eric All too. So offensively, I think they're going to be fine. Um, they might pass the ball a little bit more, and that's why, again, I think I go with McCarthy over McNamara. Um, I think offensively they're going to honestly be better than last year. Um, granted, as long as losing Gattis isn't a huge catastrophe for, for for them, and I don't think it will be. That being said, I think they take more than a small step back in the defensive side of things. Um, you lose those two guys in Hutchinson and Ojabo, and, and by the way, those two combined – for 25 of Michigan's 34 sacks, which is just nuts to me. On top of that, their returning leading sack leader, leader in sacks, is Taylor Upshaw, and he had two and a half last year. So Upshaw is going to have big, big, big shoes to fill. It's going to be more of like a rotation kind of thing. They have young talent there at the defensive end position, just not a lot of proven talent. Inside, Mazzie Smith, defensive tackle, Big guy, had 37 tackles last year. He's good, too. They just don't have a lot of depth at all in the interior side of things. So I think defensive line-wise, they're obviously going to be worse, um, which scares me because they got they didn't even have that many um, – how do I say this? They didn't have that many TFLs last year. I think they're middle of the road, ninth maybe in the Big Ten in, in overall TFLs, which is kind of surprising when you think about how well Hutchinson's and Ajabo played. So – You couple that with the fact that they actually didn't force that many turnovers last year. Uh, One game against Wisconsin, they had three turnovers. Um, And then in their final six games, Sean, less than two takeaways in their final six games. So they didn't turn the ball over a lot last year, um, even though they had two of the most disruptive defensive ends in the country. So that scares me a little bit. Then you talk about how they lose three starters in the secondary, including your boy Daxon Hill. And now you're wondering how are they going to be better in in the secondary? So yeah, I'm a little nervous as far as Michigan's defense goes. I think they're going to give up. I think they only gave up 17 points, 16 points last year. You know, I'm not surprised if that's a touchdown worse at least. You know, they average maybe giving up 24 points a game or something like that. Now they do have some time to figure that out before they play a really good offense. I mean, they play nobody in the in the in the non conference. They got uh Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon. And then they have Iowa on the road, um, and then they have Indiana, but offensively those two teams aren't going to be very good. Um Iowa loses Goodson, who's definitely their best player on offense. And then they finally face us before they face Michigan State. So we're not going to really know how good their defense is, to be honest with you, until they play Penn State. And I'm not saying Penn State's going to be some powerhouse on offense. But at least Penn State has the athletes to match up with them. So um, I'm worried about their defense. As far as trying to repeat and win the Big Ten again, their schedule couldn't be any easier. Like, yes, they go at Iowa, but they have Penn State and they have Michigan State at home. And they do have to go at Ohio State. But that's it. I mean, they have Illinois and Nebraska at home on the, on the Big Ten West side. So they miss out on Wisconsin. Um, Nebraska could be better, but they have them at home, so I'm you know, not too worried there. Their road games in the Big Ten East are Ohio State, obviously. That's tough. But then they have Rutgers and Indiana. So they have a really favorable schedule. Nobody, again, in the non-conference. Um, their offense should be good enough for them to win most of the games, even if the defense is really bad. And I think the defense will be okay, but there's no way they're as good as last year. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for the two defensive ends – Penn State probably beats them last year. Um, now, that's without Blake Corum, but my point still stands. I'm worried about their defense, and if they're going to try to repeat again. I don't know how, for example, Sean, you talk about going on the road at Columbus. I don't know how you talk about Michigan beating Col- or Ohio State with what Ohio State has on their offense. If that turns into a shootout, there's no way I believe in Cade McNamara or McCarthy, for that matter, in outdueling C.J. Stroud and the amount of talent he has over there. That just doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they did put up forty-two points last year against against Ohio State. So now that was it was a little different though because they, they kind of pounded Ohio State in, in submission. But yeah, I think generally that point stands. Um, and last year when they played when they played Penn State, I agree with you. David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson just ate us alive. And Sean Cl- there's, there's a picture that floats out there that I've seen. And it's Sean Clifford standing back behind the line with the ball in his hands. It's Penn State's five offensive linemen all, all around the line of scrimmage. And then three or four Michigan defensive linemen are all around Sean Clifford. And that kind of encapsulated right there in one picture, a picture says a thousand words that showed exactly what happened, that that kind of underscores what happened in that game last year. Sean Clifford ran for his life and it was because they couldn't handle Hutchinson or Ojabo. So you take both of them out. Yeah. I think there is going to be a step back for Michigan on defense. Um, but looking at their schedule, as you said, they play nobody uh, for the first month of the season. Then they got to go to Kennes. It's always going to be a tough game. Uh, uh, got Indiana, and then they got Penn State. So they have a lot of time in September to kind of work things out. Maybe work out what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, and then you really that they have they have a mini gauntlet in October with Iowa. Then then Indiana they should beat and they host Penn State, and they host Michigan State. So that October stretch is really going to define what Michigan's season's
0: going to be. Right, right. And and you look at the matchup between Penn State and Michigan closely. Um, I I really think it comes down to getting pressure on the quarterback, and I don't know if I've said this for a while, but I, I like Penn State's defensive line better than Michigan's defensive line this year. Uh, obviously Michigan's offensive line is going to be good um, and and probably better than Penn State's because that's not saying that much as of right now. Um, But I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. Can Michigan just run the ball? Because when Michigan beats Penn State, they just run the ball better. Um, And that's not saying very much again. But I think this year is going to be a little bit different. I I think as far as scheme-wise, Michigan's going to be pretty different. Yeah, like maybe they can run the ball, play Quorum a lot. But I still think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. And defensively, I don't think they're going to be as stout. And I think that opens up the door a little bit more um, in, in terms of Penn State having a little bit more wiggle room. Uh, it's not going to be one of those situations where you're going up against a defense that's just playing lockdown man coverage. And your quarterback doesn't have enough time in the pocket to throw. And you just get sacked all day. I, I don't think that's going to be a, a situation this season. Um, I, I just think the scheme-wise, Michigan's going to be opposite of what they were last year. Could they be just as good? Yeah. But I don't think they're going to if they're going to get it done. I don't think they're going to get it done the same way. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, having having two edge guys like that is is so critical because they could carry you through whole games against good opponents. Um, like you said, they carried them through Penn State that they played very well against Michigan State, even though they lost, they played well. Uh, They played well against Ohio State. But when they, if you remember the Georgia game, they were pretty neutralized. And when you take, when you're playing against a team like Georgia, especially when Georgia had 13 games worth of tape on them, if you focus in on saying, okay, we're not going to let Aiden Hutchinson beat us, we're not going to let David Ojabo beat us, and you make everybody else try to beat you, um yeah it's it's not going to be um a lot oftentimes it's not going to be pretty and they weren't able to get um any of the other supporting cast members to really step up and help them so this year those supporting cast guys are the main guys, so it's going to be interesting to see if if Michigan could um you know like i said you can't replace a guy like aiden hutchinson but could you reload could you reload and could you put together a defense that could take you back to the big 10 championship game personally i don't think they win the big 10 this year i think ohio state does but i still think Mich- michigan's going to have a good team but they're going to be doing things differently
0: i agree i agree and and, and i agree with all what you said there i mean the schedule wise probably honestly easier for them this year than it was last year so now they have to get over the michigan state hump too they have to find a way to beat michigan state i was reading this uh usa today wolverines wire or whatever and they had michigan state or michigan excuse me losing to iowa by like five points they had us losing 28 21 but then they had michigan beating nebraska 35 33 and i was like well that You know, it doesn't make that much sense. You really think Nebraska is going to be that much better than Penn state? Like, I don't know about that. And then of all those things, they had Michigan beating Ohio state in the big house, like 42 27 or something like that. And I'm like, well, well, that doesn't make any sense. Especially if you have them losing to Iowa and then you have them beating Ohio state by more than a touchdown. Like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, uh, I, I don't know how that happens, but, um, yeah, I think that's a good preview. It, this is a big one, right? I mean, this is the beginning of a good stretch for Penn State too, and obviously they have a bye week after this. Uh, but this is this is a big game for Penn State because you could argue, you're optimistic. This is the first true test for Penn State as far as um, as far as things go. I mean, you could say Auburn, Purdue, but the optimistic would tell you that the the optimist would tell you that they should win those two games and this is the first major test i mean you get through purdue you feel a lot better about auburn you get through auburn and all of a sudden you know you're looking ahead at potentially going five or six and oh so i don't know it, 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 at this point we'll know a lot more about penn state and um it would mean whether are are excited or we're worried about this game
1: yeah this is the first um Top ten, top fifteen team. We play that. We we play in twenty twenty two at least. I think. And I think you know, like you said, if we if we do go five and zero going into that game, that's it's really going to tell the whole story as to what the season's going to be. Or even for four and one going into that game with the loss maybe to Auburn. If we could beat Michigan, well then that sets up a collision course with Ohio state for probably uh, the big Ten for potentially the big East, the big 10 East crown. So this, the season really sort of hinges on this Michigan game. I think going in, um, it's important to note Ann Arbor has been a house of horrors for Penn state really since it joined the conference uh, with the, with a couple exceptions. So if I had to pick a team sitting here right now in July, I'd probably pick Michigan to win this game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sitting here in July. I agree. Um, yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, we'll know a lot more about both of these teams and that's obviously something we could say from the rest of the season. Um, but we'll know a lot more about these two teams. I think from, from Penn state's perspective, um, they're only going to be as good as their offensive line. And I think for Michigan's perspective, they're only going to be as good as their defensive line, Uh, which I think is kind of an interesting matchup as you head into this game, especially being on the road is, is Michigan's defensive line going to be, you know, able to terrorize Sean Clifford as much as they were able to last year. And if so, then, you know, Penn State's in trouble, but is the offensive line going to be able to run a little bit and, and create some holes and take some pressure off of Sean Clifford? Then it's a completely different game. So, um, those are kind of the two position groups on either side I'm curious about and, and excited about because I think it'll be a good game.
1: Oh, I think so too. I think this is going, I think this is definitely going to be a good game. It And it, the, the past couple of years has been that they've both been good game. games. The past few years, all of them have been pretty good games between us. So I'm expecting a close one. Um And, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I think Penn State has zero shot to win this one. No, they do. Um, for a lot of the reasons he stated, I Michigan does have some question marks, especially up front and the on defense or and in the back end on defense. So Penn State definitely has a shot to win. And I think this is going to be a little bit different style of a Michigan team than we might have been accustomed in preview, accustomed to in previous years.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with all that. So um, there's your Michigan preview for you. We will have technically a bye week. Um, we're not going to take a bye week. So we'll be back with Minnesota the following week uh, and discussing the Gophers, a team that potentially might be winning the uh, Big Ten West this year, kind of wide open as far as the Big Ten West is concerned. Um, I did want to say after... Um, doing a little bit more research into Northwestern. I, I really do think Northwestern does get the ball eligibility, by the way. So um, there's a little bit more, you know, little clips and videos up on our Twitter right now, Hardcore PSU Football, or FB, I should say. Um, as far as Northwestern conversation goes, there'll be a little bit more about Michigan in the next couple of days too. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, make sure you are like us on Facebook. Um, and wherever you are listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed. There's been a lot of love in the last month or so. So we appreciate that. Please share it with one other Penn state fan that you think would be interested. And if you have time, we do read Apple five-star reviews on the show. So if you're listening on an iPhone on iTunes right now, or whatever they call it, uh, please write us a five-star review and we will read it on the show. Uh, We do appreciate all of the listeners. Um, It's awesome. And we're getting close, Sean. We're, uh, we're getting, we're getting near uh, the time where things get really, really excited. Like you said, people are starting to say crazy things. That just means that we're getting close to the football season. So I know I'm excited. I know you're excited. Uh, any final thoughts for you this week, Sean?
1: Um, no. Um, like, like you said, I'll, I'll second that. The people are just really, really excited to get back to college football. And we're close, guys. Uh, camp starts probably a little less than a month from now. I believe Penn State will get a head start a little bit on camp, being that we start on a Thursday night. So uh, next month, look out, because it seems like as soon as camp starts, uh, you blink and then we're going to be in West Lafayette. So very excited for that.
0: Right, right, right. Um, I was going to add... Oh, well, next time we talk, most likely going to be talking about three new commits to Penn State. So... Um, look out for London Montgomery tomorrow uh, I, with the 15th is Robinson right? or 15th is Rojas. Right. And then uh, you can, do you know exactly when Robinson is. is he the 14th? I think he's the 14th. Yeah. Okay. So Montgomery running back potentially committing to Penn state on Monday. Then you have Tamir Robinson defensive end slash linebacker on uh, the 14th and then Rojas on the 15th uh, linebacker as well. So, Uh, lots to look out for and hopefully lots to talk about next week
1: yeah um, if you thought this episode was recruiting heavy um, look out for next week because we're going to be doing it all over again and hopefully we're going to have three uh, fresh commits to talk about
0: yes sir well for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Listokey. thank you guys so much for listening to Hardcore Penn State Football if you haven't checked out the know your enemy previews yet make sure you hop on youtube subscribe there and get a listen uh they're only about five or six minutes for each of them so you can become knowledgeable in all penn state's opponents uh before the season starts so i will catch you guys all next time have a fantastic week thank you everybody